Welcome to Top Shelf Talks. Opinions from this podcast are those of the host or their guests only. No information on this podcast should be taken for legal, tax, or investment advice. Welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf Talks. My good friend Tom Costantiello is back with me this time. I know, Tom, it's been several weeks since we had a chance to record. You've been really busy, and I've been really busy. And I know my last podcast we did with Kevin Bailey, our mortgage specialist. So what have you been up to for the last few weeks, Tom? <laughs> Happy things to report. This is working, meeting with clients, family. We celebrated um, youngest son's first birthday. Uh, big just, deal man balloons yeah. i heard the balloon story that was a good one. Oh boy yeah <laughs> where's that balloon at just yeah. on the highway somewhere we don't know where it went probably in illinois illinois by now <laughs> took the jet stream and just kept that sucker yeah, going didn't he? you know a lot of folks i'm sure out there have heard the banking situation all over the national news and i know you sent out a really nice uh email to all your client base kind of getting an explanation of what was going on at that point in time, and that I think that email is a couple of weeks old at this point, but um, I know we want to kind of talk about that for our listeners just to kind of get an idea people maybe should be concerned about in their investments. And, you know, I'll kind of kick things off, thing to hit the mainstream, which is the SVB. I think your email, and, and I'll attach your email to the description for anybody who wants to read it, that that was kind of a unique situation with SB Silicon Valley Bank because their client base, a large but portion of it like over 90 percent was in one particular industrial niche the venture capital tech market since that announcement on svp we've seen a lot of these regional banks like republic credit swiss pan bank yep. is being taken over by ubs uh, several other banks i could probably name off at least three or four others us that either other banks like jp morgan chase wells fargo some of the big banks cash in there to kind of get their balance sheet stable so can you kind of explain for the listeners how that balance sheet works for some of these banks and why we're seeing kind of do a brief overview of what banking system works and why these banks are so vulnerable at this point. Let me just go back to SV, Silicon Valley SVB, Bank. Yeah, Silicon Valley yeah. Bank. Yeah. So Silicon Valley Bank. So here's the problem. You had 95% of your clients that were in the tech industry and their startups. Okay. You are in a recession. A lot of these tech startups, they're not, they didn't grow as much as they thought they would. We hit a recession. So the money they had put aside, they needed it to cover payroll and things like that. Yep. It's the main reason you put money in a bank, right? I mean, you yep. put money in your bank so that it's safe. You need it for payroll, whatever. It's what you do. Okay. It just so happened. This is the problem. Because 95% of your clients are in the same industry having the same problem, they all started to withdraw their money at the same time. If you were a bigger national bank, say a Chase or a City or whatever, you got multiple industries. If you look at the S&P 500, there's 11 different industries inside the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe the tech's not doing well, but healthcare might be. So, you know, you, all, you have that balance. You have that stability. Okay, that's that's one. Two, what SVB, what leadership did is, you know, we've talked about this in other podcasts in the financial planning, right? There's three buckets that you should have as, right. a, as an individual, right? Your now money, that's your emergency money you need in zero to 12 months. You don't want to take a hit on, okay, if you need it. Your soon money, that's your two to five year money. And then your later money, that's your 
five year or more money, right? Well, banks should operate the same way. That's what these guys should have been doing. They should have had their money maybe in, you know, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, six month bonds. So they should have had a, I'm sorry, a now bucket, a soon bucket, a later bucket. What they did, they got a little greedy and to offer a higher yield to their clients to try to attract this tech base because they're hoping these guys are going to grow and boom right. and can give them more deposits. Right. They took that money and they went all later money. They bought long-term bonds. So they weren't diversified. They didn't have the now, soon, later. They went all later. Well, rates start to go up. When interest rates, and if you've got bonds that you're holding that are 2.5%, well, today you can get that same bond for 4%. So when rates go up, bond prices go down, right? If, if you had $100,000 and you bought a 2.5% a bond, okay, you'll get your money back as long as you hold it till maturity, but you're only going to get 2.5% interest. Right. If you were going to cash that in and try to get a 4% bond, is somebody going to give you your $100,000? No, it's called a discount. No. No, you're going to have to sell that for like 80. That's what happened to SVB. Happens is banks have to have a certain amount of collateral. So think of it as owning a home. You have to put your 20% down, right? So you have equity in your home. Mm -hmm. If equity shrinks, in other words, let's say the value of your home goes down, and now you don't have that 20% equity anymore, the bank could come to you and say, hey, Chris, you need to cough up 20 grand. You know, you got to come up with capital so that you have that equity back. Well, what happened with SVB, right? We have later bonds. Those bonds are going down. They're down by 30%, which means they got to come up with 30% more capital. And they knew it. The management knew it. And they were in a bad spot. So what they did, though, for accounting purposes, and this is kind of, I wouldn't say they cooked the books. But they manipulated the books. Yeah, it's a trick. Okay? It's a yeah. le so legal accounting trick. Bonds, and maybe that's one of the regulations they're going to talk about changing. Right. They're called mark to market. So every day they have to value that bond portfolio. You know, they had 20% equity. Well, now it's 18% equity. Well, now it's 15% equity. You know, when they get below a certain limit, they got to they got to come up with more equity. They've got to deposit or put put more money to shore themselves up. Right. Well, what they knew they couldn't, so what they did is they moved it to this other line item, held the maturity, assuming those bonds don't need to be, the prices don't need to be calculated because over time they're just going to mature. Right, so it takes face value. Right, yeah. so now it looks like the bank has 20% equity when they're actually negative equity. Okay, so that's that's how they managed the bank portfolio. It was greed, and then they knew they needed to raise capital. They knew they couldn't, so they they moved it to held the maturity to kind of get it off the books, hoping things would right, right set themselves. Mm -hmm. Now here's the kicker. 95% of your clients are in the same industry. And 95% of those clients are cash crunched and need to start withdrawing their money. All of a sudden, wait a minute, what are we going to do? So then they're forced to sell those bonds. They then have to book the loss and bam, instantly the yep. they're negative equity. Yep. That's what they did. They, they completely mismanaged it. When we look at big banks, and I'm talking probably 200 billion or more, like your cities, your Chase, you know, your your uh, you know, your, your bigger banks, your national banks, they have a broad clientele base, so much different they're industries. Diverse. Yeah, they're diversified, but they are taking hits on their bond portfolios. They are, mm -hmm. but because they're broad based and they're not having money coming out because they've got other businesses, they're safe. 
Also, they have the ability to hedge the interest rate risk. That means buying certain securities that if interest rates go up, it can retain its value or protect them from a loss. But your regional banks, your smaller banks, those are the ones that could potentially be in trouble. Now, when the 10-year went to 4%, that's when we saw a lot of these credit crunches on mm-hmm. these banks. Mm-hmm. The 10 years back down about three and a half. So the pressure's off. The pressure's off a little yeah. bit, but be careful because if, you know, we're talking about a, a debt ceiling standoff, but interest yeah. rates could go up. And if you see interest rates up to 4%, a couple things are happening. I think people are selling their bond portfolios to raise capital, but that's going to also devalue other banks' balance sheets. Yeah. And you're going to see more of this. I think you're going to see more of this this summer if that 10-year treasury gets back to four. And right now, with that rate being lower, hidden, yeah. I think further exposure, but there's more out there. I don't want to hit you with anything not prepared to. I've heard a lot of folks out there saying, you know, in the old days when you said this is Depression era stuff where you have a run on the bank, people show up at the front door knocking on the door and want their money in cash. And in today's world with technology, you know, you can move money from one bank to the other with your cell phone. Literally, you can have a run on a bank and not a single person show up at the front door knocking on the door for their money. One comment that I heard, and it makes sense, is a lot of folks are shopping around for simple things like a CD. They're seeing some of these banks with attractive CD offers at a, at 4%. You have a bank that's struggling, and now to retain the depositor, they're now having to take even a bigger cut on their bottom line just to maintain those depositors by offering larger uh, deposit rate uh, savings rates. Is that something you're seeing too? When it gets kind of funny, I was just shopping for some CDs for a client. The four week and the 13 week were high. And then you get to 24 month a week, it's, it was lower. It's tank. Yeah. The, no, the same thing happened to me. Yeah. The banks, you know, right now they're trying to incentivize you to keep that money short term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to help offset the lot. They're trying to attract that money to help offset the loss on the longer bonds. And I think at a 5% yield, they're probably losing money, but it's helping them shore up those longer bonds. That makes total sense. By attracting those deposits and keeping them short term. Yeah, that makes total sense. Hoping that the Fed does pause or or start to retract the other way. And the other one, and again, if you can't comment on it, it's fine. I heard somebody come out and say the other day that the Fed could easily stop this situation going on with the bank um, if they were just to start to retract some of these increases. Do you see the same thing? I'm kind of on the fence with that. I don't know if that's going to make that big of an impact. Certainly if the Fed lowers rates, you know, we get back to a 3% 10-year treasury, all those bonds will go back up in value. That's going to take tremendous pressure off. Uh, So I think a lot of people anticipate that the Fed, you know, that's why they're not panicking yet, that the Fed could lower rates and then that would make the bonds better, and then everything's okay. Offshoot, though, is inflation. Right. So inflation is, uh, it was a 10% in Europe. I mean, it, it's coming down a little, yeah. but I think the April number is going to be the telltale. Of, you know, if, if those numbers continue to stay high or go higher, the Fed's in a tough, tough spot. Let's remember, never in the history of the United States when inflation has been over 5%, has the Fed engineered a soft landing? Yeah, and Wall, Wall Street is thinking we're they're going to get it right this time. That's why the market's holding its value here. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. That's going to be a big question mark to say. And then you bring up another thing: the debt ceiling situation that's still looming. 
Um, I think that's June time frame, July time frame. Uh, that could, I don't know if it's a shutdown, but that would definitely cause a huge disruption in the bond market because most of the bonds that are being traded are government securities. But that puts us in another position too that people are talking about is the amount of cost that U.S. government is carrying now with these increased bond rates. Bonds that they were able to sell at two or or, or even in some cases at ones are now having to sell, like you said, to three, four, or 5%. That's additional debt that the U.S. government's going to have to carry in the cost of that debt. Oh, my God, yeah. the um, I think just the tax revenue, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers. but I don't either. But, you know, but if it's if, if the 10-year treasury, you had to pay 2.5% interest, and now you're paying 35 or 4 once again, to use an analogy, okay, hey, if you went and got a mortgage at 2.5%, you were lucky. What if all of a sudden overnight your mortgage interest rate went to 6 as they are today? You're coughing up four or five hundred dollars more a month. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's happening to the federal government. Right, cough up more money to cover the debt on those bonds because interest rates have gone up. We also talked a little bit about this quantitative tightening, and, and that, I don't think the quantitative tightening is hitting the mainstream media. You and I were kicking it around the other day. I kind of threw you a curveball and said Russia and China met. Big thing on the news. Yeah. Talk on the street was, well, what happens if the U.S. dollar is loses its dominant current worldwide currency status? Folks on, online were like, oh, my God, that's huge. Inflation will go high. Uh, uh, you know, our dollar values are going to fall. But the one thing they didn't talk about is this quantitative tightening that the Fed and the Treasury has been doing. Because remember, we had quantitative easing during COVID to get inject more cash on the market. And we're now seeing the dollar is so much stronger, and I don't have the number in front of me. Because like, what's the euro trading tonight today against the dollar? I know last week it was really. Strange. It's about one oh nine. It's interesting to see what's going on though with this uh, with this China Russia situation. You know, they're trying to basically be able to price oil in yuan mm-hmm. or currencies. I I don't know if it's a bad thing. I don't know if it's a bad or good thing. It, it could it could. What it could do, it could do two things, but it could bring it could bring oil prices down, yeah, and could bring inflation down a little bit. I, I don't know. And then you and I were kicking around earlier, uh, precious metals. Uh, the gold yeah. gold is going back to historic highs. Just in the month of March, it's up, uh, I think, eight and a half percent. Silver is is still uh, it's going up at like two and a half percent, a little more modest. You know, some of these things are happening and you get all these different folks for their different areas. And then how does somebody just kind of dig through that is kind of tough. So one thing that's been interesting to me is I've heard nothing about credit unions. Balance sheet, a lot of the credit unions are not in positions to buy large sums of government security bonds. Because of that, they're borrowing off their own paper. They're able to kind of tighten and loosen their lending restrictions to their members much more easily than some of these banks. Is that true? You think? I don't know, and I don't know what their what their rules are. You know, and I don't know what their capital requirements are. Commercial banking. Yeah, to banks. But I think what happens a lot of credit unions, a lot of their loans are held and serviced there. Oh, absolutely. There, there are a lot of auto loans and small. Yeah, so I, I managed think- loans that you yeah, definitely. Once again, I don't know enough about it. It would sound to me that the way you would value those loans is you'd probably value those loans as held to maturity versus okay. being a bond and okay. having to mark to market it. So probably I don't know the ramifications. I know that some folks we know in the banking might might seems to me that credit unions probably are operating more on a held to maturity basis. 
So they don't have to have quite the capital requirements that banks do. So I don't know. And I people always view the credit union as safer. I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe as being a, more- for, a former board member of a small credit union in the Central Ohio area, we always and you're right. We held everything to maturity because that's yep. the anticipation. And if somebody pays off their auto loan early, so be it. That cash gets put back into the bank. They satisfy the loan. That's what's important. You know, in closing, I guess right now, what advice do you give them and just kind of take it in and, and, and digest it? Or what do you what do you recommend? Obviously, we saw FTC step in and help some of these folks. If you're really, really nervous about it, you know, make sure you have different accounts with different names on it or go into the bank and. Just make sure that you don't have more. For example, if I have an account, all right, in my name, I think I'm up to $250,000. Yeah, so anybody, this is for anybody that's more than $250,000 at a deposit. If I put me and my buddy Chris Gickler now on a second account, there's another two fifty that's protected. If I put me and my, my wife on another account, there's another two fifty. There's a way to kind of diversify, even though you maybe have over the two fifty. If you add different names to those accounts, there's a way to get that extra protection. Best to probably go in and talk to the banks about that. But also revisit your, you know, your now, your your soon and your later buckets. Hard to give you advice because everybody's unique and I don't know enough. I mean, well, how we operate is through a financial plan. Right. As far as what to do, that's the noise. And that's dictated by each person's individual circumstance right. and what their needs and their plan dictates. And so what we're doing with our clients now is we're doing reviews, but we're making sure we've got our now, soon, later. When we're looking at later, we're looking at things that may have some hedging strategies or some guarantees right. uh, that could protect us, but also grow their income over time. So I guess, you know, if anybody's nervous about the banks, I'd like to say, give us a call. We'll help you. But uh, <laughs> definitely go, go to the, the bank. bank. Yeah. Make sure yeah. that you go to the you, bank and maybe, you know, open up a couple different accounts. Yeah. And if the bank wants to try to sell you an annuity, give me a call. <laughs> to make sure that it's the best one for you because there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of bad ones. Once again, that's the what, and that's the noise. Again, in closing, the people that I really feel worried about are the small businesses. I mean, I knew I was a controller of a small business. Revenue was about $30 million. And, you know, and there was a time in every time of the month that I had over a million dollars sitting in a cash account. Those are the folks I worry about because that's our operating cash and pay payroll. You know, so some points of the month, there was a million in there and some points of the month, there was a hundred thousand. And yeah. just again, like your advice, I think is great. Go down to the bank, see where your exposure is, work with them. And if you don't feel comfortable, then you may have to move to another bank, which kind of sucks. Yeah, I think it's, I think you got to look at the bank and see what kind of, you know, make sure it's a diversified, you know, diversified group of industries or go to your bigger banks, you know, your chases of the world or things like that, you know, have a good track record. I mean, you know, JP Morgan Chase, actually, when we had the TAR in 2008, those of you that may not remember, I mean, if you're the bank, the, the federal government doled out TARP money. JP Morgan took it, but they didn't have to take it. The government made them take it. They're like, we don't need money. We were properly hedged. We were properly diversified. We don't need your money, but they took it. So probably one of the, not to sell, you know, go to a bigger bank and know that you're okay. But once again, I think you're probably going to see a bit more volatility. And I think you're going to see a bit more, a few of these situations creep up here in the summer. If we see that 10 year treasury approach that 4% range again. Right. All right. Well, it's been great as always. Uh, any last remarks? Thanks right. for uh, good this seeing you. It's been an awesome podcast. The... We went a little long. Normally we don't go Thanks. over 20 minutes, but yeah, I think it's great information for everybody. So 
Uh, again, if you have questions about this, feel free to just email me and put them on the comments. And we might have a couple of special guests coming up soon. Might have a young person that wants to kind of get her perspective on some of this and give you some really good questions, Tom. So uh, that might be a future cast too. So if there's anything we'd like to hear us talk about, please just make comments uh, in the comment section. But as always, have a good one, Tom. I appreciate it. You too, Chris. Thanks. Right, take care.